There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey guys, turkey season is in full swing right now, and if you are planning on getting after it, make sure to pick up some Meat Eater Phelps turkey calls to stuff into the old turkey vest or into your fanny pack right now. I carry a few different things. I like to use mouth calls, and I like to use pot calls. Mouth calls or diaphragms, I like them because it gives you hand-free calling, meaning when you're working a bird up close... You can have your gun on your knee, finger on the trigger, ready to roll, and still be making turkey sounds. I like pot calls. I just like pot calls. I enjoy calling with a pot call. Whatever direction you go, including a box call, which I don't personally use too much, but they're fun and great, and I started out with them. Yanni, on the other hand, one of my main turkey hunting buddies, he loves box calls. And what's funny is I'll now and then look to him and give them the look that means get out your box call and find us a turkey. So it's not that I don't like them. I just have Yanni use his. Then I don't have to carry it. Go to Phelps Game Calls. Get calls that are made in the USA and get calls that'll get them close. Find yours at phelpsgamecalls.com today. The Hunting Collective is presented by Element. I guess I grew up on an older road. Hey, everybody. Phil is mad at me because you hear my voice. Well, I walk like I had a great start to my day. Yeah. Had a cup of coffee. Yep. Some toast and a banana. Yep. Uh, I listened to some music on the way in. It's a beautiful yep. day in Bozeman, clear, sunny. It is nice. I walk in the studio looking nice. to say hi to. To my, to my pals Giannis and Ben. Yep. And Ben's like, Phil, hi. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no. Phil, Phil it's fine. The it's alarm fine. bells go off. It's fine. I got a rapid test. <laughs> well, I didn't know about rapid testing was 60%. Why would you even get the test if it's 60%? It's a great it's, question. It's 60% accurate, right? Yeah, it's not well, 60% failure. Why yeah, it's get about, it if it's, sure. it's six out of 10 times? Well, you, should, right. you should be calling in via Squadcast. Well, now I feel... <laughs> I feel awful. Well, it's too late now, so let's just let's just start the show, Ben. God. I didn't know that. I had no idea that I could be spreading an illness when I thought I was. I slept outside on yesterday. Uh, well, Saturday night I slept outside. It's it been cold. getting chilly. Sure, it was cold. That's probably it. It snowed on me for like four hours uh, Sunday morning in the mountains where I was, nine thousand feet. So I I'm attributing it to that, but I'm also 
tested negative and other people are, my wife has tested negative. So I'm like, I'm good. Just got a little scratchy throat. You're probably good. But it's but now, just, it's just, it's just the paranoia, man. I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight. I don't know. There's nothing. <sighs> be ruining a lot of lives. Anyway, Yanni's sitting in the right seat. We had a little issue. My normal seat in the podcast studio is right next to your normal seat in the podcast studio. And that would be awkward conversationally, mm-hmm. I, I feel. My neck would hurt after five yeah, minutes. Yeah, we would be looking over. I'd be looking over my left shoulder at you. Um, but now we're in a good spot. We're seeing each other, you know, like looking it. right in your eyes. Welcome, Giannis. Welcome back to, this is a attempt, are we say attempt number two, episode number two of ATE slash THC. Yeah. You excited? ATE featured on THC. Yeah, I don't know. How, what was the feedback for uh, great. The, the first one? It was the most listened to episode we've done in quite a while. No. Yeah. Yep, it was. Actually, the most well, listened to episode. Who did you interview, though, after me? That's a lot of famous people. But Troy and Jacob Landry, the most famous gator hunters in the world. You beat the pants off of them. No, no, no. Who was on the episode that I did? Who was on afterwards that you oh, interviewed? I can't, I can't remember. I don't remember. I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's how much we pay attention. I don't, oh, it was I don't on this to guy show. named uh, <laughs> Don <laughs> Trump. Phil's like, man, nah, nah, <laughs> president. Yeah. No. Oh, it was Valerius Geist. That could have something to do with it. He, he's a, a well-known figure. Mm-hmm. But I think the combination of the two is perfect. So maybe we'll have him back every time we do Ask the Eagle. Yeah. Right. I always like mentioning Val Geist's <laughs> shirker. Yes. Shirker uh, hypothesis. Explain what that is for us while I look up That's, uh phone numbers. This is Val Geist's thing. And I've, I've mentioned it to some mule deer biologists. They don't really think that it's a thing. But he had an, this idea that the way that some bucks got to be huge is that they would shirk their responsibilities to the rut for multiple years. Thus, they could, instead of wasting all that energy, they would save that energy plus pack on more energy. They would basically just sit there by themselves on the side of the hill (laughs) and get big and fat. Then, once their buddies that were, you know, they're all the same age roughly, they've been participating in the rut and getting worn down and having to replace those, you know, worn out reserves over the winter and barely making it through a winter. After four or five years of that, they could walk off the mountain just as healthy and studly as can be, giant antlers, and just whoop everybody's butt and spread their genes across the whole herd. That that was my that was my method for college. I just <laughs> I, I, I feel you like took, it was, I, 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 I could leave college full of energy. I didn't have to deal with any of that other stuff. That's yeah. that's why. Until your senior year when you just <laughs> you went berserk. You shirked your responsibility for three years. Yeah. To the ladies of what college you go to? Montana State University, Bozeman, Ooh, Benjamin. Bozeman, right down the street. Right down the street. Well, anyway, uh, I'm feeling, I think the reason I have this uh, scratchy throat is because uh, I was out elk hunting. It was, it was a massive, I was, I was telling you, Yanni, a massive failure. But you have a story that it was you not can't, a failure. You can't say massive failure. Massive you saw elk. I did see elk. I did see elk, but I knew where the elk were prior to going there. I knew they would be in in that zone somewhere, in that drainage somewhere. They would be there. I knew that. I've never went there, and there weren't some elk there. But I did travel a couple hours from my house Saturday night, but by myself. I was like, I like to do at least one or two solo hunts a year. And I went by myself. I drove. I hiked up to where I hunted elk last year around the same time period, late September. 
and found elk immediately. They were further away than I wanted them to be. They were probably, probably two miles away. And then I went to sleep, got up in the morning, snowstorm. It's great. It's a great night. You never like sleep in the sleeping bag where you just had to pull the whole sleeping bag up over your face and like lay on your stomach. And just hope that no cold air. You're going to stay warm enough. Yeah. That's what no I, tent, huh? I had a tent, but it was cold, man. It was it, the wind. It was probably 30, 35, 40 mile an hour winds at, at times, gusting too. And uh, it, it the temperature dropped a lot. Was, you know what a good trick for that is, man? I have two. I think it's, I know one of them, but... The Chama hoodie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because that hoodie really, it comes down pretty far in, yeah. in front, so you can stretch it a little bit, and it comes down dang close to coming over your nose. Then the other one is just the uh, like the lightweight wool net gator yeah. from full, First Light. I'll pull that thing and just have it completely cover my face. Well, normally I have I have lots of uh, techniques for this, but I just wasn't expecting it. But yeah, I will wear I'll wear a full like un compadre puffy and just in my sleeping bag if I have to. And you know the the boiling water and the Nalgene trick. Oh, buddy, that's a good time. That saved my tush on that uh, Wyoming mule deer hunt last year because I oh yeah I forgot to swap sleeping bags and I wanted to go zero and I rolled in with a fifteen mm-hmm. and. Uh, not enough, but yeah, no, that thing got so hot a couple of times I had to sleep with it open, till yeah, my bag open until it would cool off. I'll take the hand warmers and put them down by the feet area, mm-hmm. it's quicker than the whole boiling the water thing. So, if you're just like you know, how you get back from a hunt, you're just so cold, and you're so tired, all you want is a sleeping bag, and you don't care. Well, if you pre stage a couple of hand warmers right by your sleep bag in your tent, you get in, shake them babies up, put them in the bottom, and then get in the sleeping bag. So, you don't have to, yeah, mess around with the water get wet were you in grizz country eh, ish not heavy grizz country but close just a valley pretty, pretty ballsy hunting solo in the grizz country well yeah 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 and as i told you i glassed up these elk I'm like oh man i'll get over there you know, it's gonna take me a while it's good. i had to get up and down a couple of ridges and it took me about an hour and a half to get over there in the morning so i got over there just as light was breaking Glassy's elk up. It's a squall snowstorm. I, I was like, man, I don't know if I'm going to be able to see over there. I might have to just go over there and sit and wait till they stand up out of their beds and hear them. So I got across the ridge from them, glassed them up. They were a little further back than they, they were in the morning. So they had moved back like, you know, a thousand yards back up this bowl. So I go over there and I'm like, well, I'm going to drop down and come back up the other side. So I do, and in, in the time that I dropped down and went back up the other side, it took me about an hour to hike a mile, and it was straight up. I'm going straight up this hill, got my trekking poles out. I get to a little bench on the hill where I knew that they were. I'm like, man, I'm going to put my trekking poles away, get my bow out, get set up here. I have my little Fred Eichler decoy, cow decoy, so got that out, staged all that up. I was getting ready to call, and I look over to my right, and there's a gut pile, a fresh one. I mean, from yesterday, probably. Still, I heard a bunch of crows and ravens, and I was looking around. I thought, that's not good. <laughs> and I looked to my right. There she was. So it obviously was like maybe the day before that this that somebody killed an elk in there. Mm-hmm. I didn't go close enough to it to see if it was an elk or a mule deer because it is a limited – it's like a draw mule deer unit, but it's an open elk unit. Hmm. I didn't go close enough to see exactly what was what because I was like, mm, there are grizzlies around. I'm gonna go ahead and take. A, I'm gonna take a wide berth. Yeah, go up this hill and see if I can find an elk. Not mess around this zone. 
But never found the elk. Did find some moose. Found a ton of mule deer. Ton of elk sign. Nothing. Have you gotten to full draw yet this archery season? No. No. It's been tough. I, I, all you people that have had success, you included, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't dislike you, but it is frustrating. <laughs> it's hard to be in the ninety uh, percent tile that are uh, yeah. unsuccessful. And I will say, like I, you know, I've been out. I don't know, eleven or twelve days, probably total. If you add it all up, maybe a little bit less if you just count, like just hunting a morning, not a full day. And I haven't. I we had a couple of close calls, as as folks heard last week with Clay Newcomb in the breaks. Mm-hmm. A couple of close calls, but other than that, it has been. It's not that I messed anything up, that I was in a place where there was no elk, or I couldn't find them, or uh, I missed, or I didn't draw at the right time, or as you were explaining a little bit before we hit record, that you know the elk just didn't do the right thing. He was a, nothing. I mean. Yeah, yesterday's yesterday's spot that I went to was very much a spot that I was like, I'm gonna save this until this time frame because I last year we went in here and it was on at this you know this weekend time frame, last weekend ish in September. I know every time I go there, there's elk somewhere in this bowl, somewhere in the space, and I know that they're there. I know. But I would think just about every other ridge should be on right now. I didn't hear. I mean, the weather was what it was. Yeah, but I think you know if the if bulls are on if they're rutting, a little snow and wind isn't going to totally shut them off. No, but you know the wind's harder to hear them. Yeah, that's what I figured. So I'm like, well, I'm going to bomb into the spot where I know that they are and just make some noise. I you know bugled, break trees, stomped around, did a little cow party. (laughs) I was telling you, I got back to the truck. Shout out to the two trucks that were at the lower parking spot and in this area that were both uh, BHA license plates, mm. both with meat eater stickers, mm. both with Vortex stickers as mm. well in the truck. Not yeah. a secret spot. No, not a secret spot. There's a gut piles everywhere and <laughs> dudes that listen to our podcasts <laughs> hanging out. It's not great. We've, we've made our own bed there to sleep in, but uh, it was fine. I mean, I, it's, I was driving back out of this country. I, I hiked 16 miles cause I was pissed off and I was like, I'm just going to, I'm going to hit every finger Ridge, I'm going to hit every stand of timber, and I'm just going to bugle my face off. And if there is an elk in there, he's going to have to tell me no. <laughs> like, he's going to have to actively dismiss me because I'm going to find these bastards. Uh, ran across a bunch of moose, mule deer everywhere, on their feet during the snowstorm. Mule deer just walking around. But no elk other than the ones I saw from. Well, you still have two weeks left. I do. I do. And Long not, archery season here, and I can tell you, a lot of people are in your boat. Man, their feet are tired, and their hull passes are used up. So the woods yeah. should just be emptier. They were emptier. they were pretty empty going into this spot because I got you got to drive like an hour on a kind of a dirt road. That the only reason you drive down it would be to recreate or to hunt or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no it's not a through road; it doesn't go anywhere. And so there wasn't, you know, there's one camp where there's normally 15 camps, and so I could tell, I could just tell. That you know, it's 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 wearing on folks, but it's not wearing on me. I'm not I'm not mad at I'm not mad at the the failure. Um, I'm happy to document it here so people know. You know, I've been in places where there's elk. I've been in places where pe- other people have killed elk. Obviously, um, I know that they're there. I know that they've been on the rut at some point, or they will be at some point. It just hasn't happened. I took off a of September and probably in like. Oh man, it was probably like oh nine or oh, or ten, 
and uh, quit guiding fishermen as soon as hunting season opened up. And I got 26 days in that September, Colorado archery, elk. Some of them were half days. Cause I, no, that's not true, because I was still guiding a little bit. And so some of, I would guide in the morning, get out in the afternoon, or vice versa. But 26 days I put in, and then I killed a cow on the 26th day. <laughs> yeah, man. I, that's probably what's going to happen to me. And I'm not, you know, I'm not afraid to hunt them with a rifle either, but it just, I, it's one of those years where, I, and I need to do a little call in front of you, Yanni, so you can grade out how you think my progress is going. It was one of those years where I'm like really dialed in with that. It sounds good to my ear, my ears. Um, so I'm confident in that. I was confident with my archery equipment. I, I really, I doubled the amount of practice I did last year. And last year I did plenty of practice and, mm-hmm. with the old stick and string. So I, this was like a year where I'm like, man, I think it's going to, I think this is going to come together. You know, but then you talk to guys like Randy Newberg, who he, I can't remember the number of years he went before killing an elk in Montana, but I, I, the story he tells is it's it's a it was a long time eight to ten years or something like that. Oh wow! Yeah, and so, but you have to quickly before we get to our ask the eagle listeners who are, we're going to call them. We do kind of a reverse call in show here. You got to tell us quickly your story of your first archery bull. Yeah, that was in Colorado a couple three weeks ago. I'm trying to think what the date was. It might have been like the sixth or seventh. Yeah. I think I killed it. We should get to the point where, like, how is this possibly, of all the elk guiding and all the time you spend in elk country, how could this possibly be your yeah. first archery elk? Well, I stuck two of them with arrows two years ago, mm-hmm. and one shot was perfect. And I don't, I, th- I had poor arrow performance is what I'm going to chalk it up to. I'm not going to get into the details, but I think I only got like half an arrow penetration. I think I got one long and unfortunately, it snowed that I kill. I shot him at like 4 p.m., followed him. Well, let him. I knew that the sh- shot wasn't great. So I let him sit for a while, followed him, bumped him, backed out of there, snowed like eight inches that night. And uh, we grid searched all day looking for just a, a bump in the, under the snow, but n- never came upon him. And the other one, uh, I made a really dumb shot where. He was walking by me, like top pin range, and instead of uh, making a noise to stop him or waiting for him to stop, I just figured, oh, I'll just follow him and touch off, and that put my arrow like two feet back of where mm-hmm. it should have hit. So as far as I could tell, he made it. It went clean through him, but, you know, no no rumen and no real blood and fat, so it kind of went in that zone yeah, I don't. I can't tell you if it was behind or. I'm guessing behind the diaphragm, right in front of the room. And but, uh, anyways, yeah, a lot of guiding and um, a lot of uh, going on other people's hunts, mostly Stephen Ranella's the last mm-hmm. uh, six, seven years. And um, you know, it's not that I haven't been out there trying. I know. And yeah. I've, I've killed a couple cows with the old bow. That one of them being that one I told you about, but. Uh, I've certainly missed a few bulls. I hunted the brakes twice back in like 07 and 09, and uh, twice I missed bulls in there with my stick bow. Yeah. Well, maybe one day Phil will, you know, this this could happen to you, Phil. You could hunt with us for like six or seven years, and then eventually you could have your own show. We'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Where is Phil's uh, hunting? Well, Phil, have you finished your hunter safety? I have not, no. Well, what the hell, Phil? Yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm in the middle of it. 
It's a lot going on right now. Go ahead, Yanni. Get him. Because he respects you more than me. Because last time you were in here, you gave him a little bit of I thought something, you were, something. I thought you were serious about this. <laughs> here we go. Here we go. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kind of serious. Are you going to do it or not? I thought you guys had a hunt planned. Well, if I, I, I have to wait for Phil. I mean, there's nothing I can do. Legally. Oh, that's why you're going to take him to Texas, because he's not going to get his hunter safety and you don't need one down there. Oh, you do? Yeah. Oh, you do in Texas? You can just take it online. It's like a quicker one down there. I am I am getting my hunter safety. I'm almost done. He's going to get it. He's get her done, Phil. I, it's been going slowly. Listen, I'm going to defend Phil's we got We got a new podcast on the network. Check it out. Bent. <laughs> it's, been, it's been work. I've been, you know, I got other hobbies. I got yeah. I got kids. He's got video games to play. Exactly. Thank you, Ben. He's not going to, he's almost to the, oh. he's almost to the grand finale of Whatever game Mario Kart. I don't want to hear that. You're not a Mario. You wouldn't play Mario Kart. Oh, I you love Mario Kart. You love Mario Kart. It's not what I've been playing recently, though. What have you been playing? Uh, Hades, Destiny 2. I've been, I've been rewatching every movie directed by David Fincher. He's got a new one coming out. Yeah, you year. have no time. I'm reading uh, Lonesome a, Dove by Larry McMurtry. Well, that's a good thing. I, I, I do back that, but I can't. I got to get See, on. Listen, like, I can't. I, for my own, I mean, people are listening to this. I think some will listen to this. And they, I got to get on you for this. I mean, you can't be playing video games and not be, I mean, Yanni, back me up here. No. This is. But, this. you know, everybody has their own priorities. And look, praise, like Steve says, praise golf. And I guess now we can praise video games too because. Less hunters. Less hunters to yeah. compete with. You're welcome. But then again, we want more hunters, remember? Well, I, I've been thinking about revising that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, especially when I saw that gut pile. I was like, damn. And then I saw those two trucks with the meteor stickers. Like, well, I think we should start campaigning for le- like the same amount of hunters, but just more acceptance of hunting mm. in society. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Yeah, that's my new. I know that goes against everything I've ever said ever, but uh, people change. Yeah, the R three folks aren't going to be happy. They're not going to like that. No, mm. no. Ben, I'm pro- I promise you, and Yanni, because you seem just, you seem concerned as well. He's uh, extremely concerned. I'm going to finish my hunter safety. Okay, next episode. Yes, I mean Corinne. <laughs> yes, Corinne. Yes. Corinne, your counterpart here in podcast land. Yeah, sure. I love she's Corinne. got like mold. every time Knocking I talk dead. to somebody, they're like, "Oh yeah, Corinne's coming down hunting next week or in December. She's coming down hunting, and she's gone hunting right now today, I believe, somewhere. She's on the. Circuit. That's great. How many kids does Corinne have? <laughs> Good point. Good, <laughs> Good point. point. Good point. Good point. How Touché. many video games does she play? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Is she reading Larry McMurtry books? Oh. <laughs> the whole. Camp- of Larry Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> she's not that busy. No, she's definitely on the circuit, man. Every time I talk to her, she's like, where, where are you going next? Can I go? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. No, course, I, I, Corinne's d- diving in. I, I love I love seeing it. She's excited. Is she grouse hunting right now? It's great. Do you know uh, where she is right now? Grouse hunting? Corinne, the producer? Uh, I, I, some sort of bird. <laughs> <laughs> well, whenever you finish that hunter safety flies. course. Yeah, it yeah it's got wings. You're going to want to be able to identify the different game birds. Yeah. Uh, All so, right. So, um, oh, yeah, please. Sorry. Did I explain to you why I haven't killed more bulls? Yeah. Yes. Steve Rinell's uh, with fault. My, with my, yeah, it's his, all his fault. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I got to uh, plan a hunt down in Southern Colorado and I went and uh, invited uh, our buddy Jason Phelps from Phelps yeah. Game Calls. And I tell you what, what a treat to uh, hunt elk with somebody that has thought about calling elk a lot more than I have. And I've thought about it a lot. Yeah. But he's thought about it a lot more. And it was uh, it was impressive to watch and listen. And uh, he almost is to the point where it kind of seemed like a couple times 
he was just like the uh what's the the puppeteer and, oh, the, and yeah. the bull was like the 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 puppet the, the, yeah what, what isn't the... it marionette where's what am i missing here marionette has strings yeah and it hangs yeah but I think you can still call a person who works a marionette a, a puppeteer. Puppeteer. Okay. But yeah. we might get in some angry emails from, yeah. from, your, Sorry, big, from your big puppet. You well, guys get I mean, the point out there. We had a big audience here. You get yeah. the point. I mean, we're literally like in the moment. Bull's coming in. Yeah. And Jason's like calm and cool enough to be like, he didn't like that last one. Let me try this. Does another, you know, thing, a little special, a little chuckle. Bull does something. He's like, I think you like that. I'm going to do it again. Does it again. Bull's just like walking towards me. I'm like, holy cow. Yeah. Like he's definitely reading him and reacting and making it, making it happen. Um, so yeah, we thought we were going to have a sweet private land hunt. Uh, a friend of mine hooked us up with a nice ranch to hunt on. Mm. And uh, the ranch was dead. Really? Dead. Like mm. Crickets. There was elk on the ranch. They were bugling in the middle of the night, but an hour before daylight, they were like, we were getting up early just to go and listen to see if we could get on them. But an hour before daylight, it was crickets, and they were just going to bed early. We found a bull one evening, bedded right until dark. He stood up out of his bed pretty much as shooting light ended. You know, like I couldn't see my pins anymore. So we had to uh, adjust, and we just said, you know what? Let's go into the high country and see what happens. So we had been hunting around like, Eight to nine thousand feet, and we're like, all right, let's go up to ten, eleven. Yeah. We hike, hiked in there, and as soon as we got in there, the first day, four p.m., four bulls bugling, and uh, we had packed to stay the night. Got in on, I think, a bull. Jason called him to probably seventy, sixty, a little bit out of my range. Let him walk. We camped out. Next morning, took us, I don't know, thirty minutes to get an answer. Another a bugle, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Another 10, 15 minutes later, here he came walking down the uh, not really a trail, kind of just like an opening alleyway, kind of just mm-hmm. you know, pretty thick stuff we were in, but there was just like this little meadow, and he came right down it. And um, interestingly, I'd never done this, hadn't really seen it done in person, but Jason and I had been talking about it beforehand, it was the frontal shot. Oh, yeah. And uh, he had told me the last four out of five bulls he's killed, he shot, you know, right above the sternum, basically. And uh, so this bull's walking in, and I'm thinking, man, there's a good chance that that's going to be my, like, the first opportunity I get, you know? And uh, I'm like, yeah, Jason said it's good. Be good for me. It's a small window. I was going to have a close shot, ended up being probably, I don't know, 15 to 17 yards, something like that. Yeah, what kind of penetration to reach the vitals? Because, uh, I, I mean, I've done, I don't think I've ever, I've done frontal shots with a rifle, but never, I don't think it with a rifle. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I did that, had such good success. The bull runs off, Jason bugles once, and we hear a loud crash as soon as his bugle ends. And usually you bugle, right, when you hit an animal with an arrow or an elk with an arrow to sort of like confuse them, slash calm things down because a lot of times when they hear that bugle they're like oh what was that i forgot about that sharp thing that just went through me you know and it's the whole purpose is to make them not run as far you know slow them down a little bit hopefully they get woozy and just fall over dead so he does that and immediately we hear a crash had i just stepped out into the opening and looked up i would have seen him piled up there but we didn't move we're just like all right cool let's give it 45 minutes even though we think it was a great shot let's give it 45 minutes and we'll go look so we found him, and I'm like, holy cow, that worked well. Through another story, I ended up getting a, a talk with a large animal vet 
that is a big proponent of this shot and kind of interviewed him being like, well, what did I hit? You know, what's all in there? And man, he's saying that just initially on impact, right next to the trachea there, you have two major arteries, right? So hopefully you could be slicing those. Then at that point, you go between the lungs where you have a major artery that enters the lungs there, right? Or you could be hitting either part of the front end of the lobe of the lungs. If you're a little bit lower than that, you're going to be clipping the top of the heart, I was gonna say, major yeah. artery, you know? Then you're back into the liver, punching through the diaphragm, and, you know, after that, you're into the rumen, which isn't going to do much damage. But um, he said the same thing. He thinks it's roughly a six by eight square, six inches wide, eight inches tall, and he only takes that shot 20 yards and under. Because he's like, it's not, you know, it's not a broadside elk where you're looking at almost 18 by 18 inches, you know, much, oh. much bigger target. For anybody that anybody that hunts turkeys with a bow, I mean, you're shooting, you know, a lot of times your your aim point there, I mean, you're that's a, a similar size, six yeah. to eight inches probably, six to eight inch square, similar mm-hmm. size. If you're shooting for the wing butt right above the, the beard. Yeah. So, yeah, and, and also elk are likely to be coming in frontal and they're likely to be close if you're calling them in like you were. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that makes all the sense in the world to me. Um, it seems like if you thought about it as much as you clearly have, it's plenty ethical and plenty effective. Oh, I couldn't believe how effective. Like I, th- I think the animal was dead in three to five seconds, yeah. like completely expired. The arrow went all th- – I ended up getting all long um, – Definitely, I cut like ten inches of the of the trachea as it went through there, and then obviously the liver. But the arrow went all the way through his room, and the broadhead stuck in wow. one of his hams. Wow! Yeah, buddy, five hundred fifty right. grains. All right, Matthews. <laughs> all right. Oh, I was very. very I'm so. Right. The greatest thing about this whole thing is to come out of a hunt where, like I said, I've missed bulls, I've hit bulls, not recovered them, but to come out and say, you know what? My equipment is dialed right now. I have so much confidence in the way that it works. Like great arrow penetration, quick kill. It was accurate. Like it just feels so good to have that confident feeling. It won't be long until I'll I'll screw something (laughs) up. You'll fall back into (laughs) it. But I do think once you get to that point, because I've been there before, I feel like I'm there now. I just need one to do what I need to do the right thing. Then you can start to like you can start to work around the the small little idiosyncrasies, the little nuances of like of how your arrow flight, or if if you're just trying to get one in the right spot, like be confident that when a bull's walking by at 20 yards, you can put the arrow where you need to. If you don't have full confidence that you can do that, it's hard to work on the little things, um, but with both like how your bow is working or what kind of arrow you're going to shoot, and to, to to how when you draw, how you draw, how long you can hold it, all those things, are, it's kind of hard to work on if you're not confident in that end result. So once you feel confident, you can really start to dial it in. Yeah. Uh, and get to a point where, point I'm not in now, but I've been in the past, where you really feel like if a, if a shot is presented, it's going down. Yeah. Well, you can focus on the hunt more right. and not really, the you know, what your yep. arrow is going to do or shot placement and all that. Cause yeah. You're feeling strong. Well, I was probably telling you last time I was switching releases a lot this year. Just try playing around. Like if you're in that confident state, you don't do that. Like you don't you don't even think about your release. It's not even a it's not something that comes into your mind. It's just like it's it's a working part of the machine. It's like boom 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 done. Yeah. No, I have an archery hunt in November with my dad, rut whitetails, and I'm not gonna change a thing. I'm just gonna keep shooting and yeah. May, hopefully making good focus shots every time I pull the trigger. All right. Well, congratulations on your first archery bull. 
Hey, thanks. Um, thanks, Jason Phelps, for uh, yeah, man. calling it in. That was sweet. Going to see it on Meat Eater Hunts. That's soon. right. Soon. Good footage, everything? Oh, Good it's going to be some of the finest Ooh, uh, baby. elk hunting footage I think we've ever put out. That away. I'm excited. Um, we have to wait a while, but we're still excited. Are we going to put that out, you think, like in the off season to keep people titillated? Oh, yeah. No, it's going to be uh, sometime next summer. But it'll be that okay. perfect timing where I was telling you earlier, there's some stuff yeah. I, that comes out on YouTube as sort of like daily, what do they call them? Not live, but like semi-live, semi-live like hunts, a, yeah. a, a day or two later when they do it. A lot of stuff I save, like the turkey season stuff, I save it to watch it in January when I'm like anticipating and getting all fired up. Mm-hmm. And um, That's what this will be. Yeah. Because during turkey season, I don't want to watch someone else's turkey hunting. You know, I want to go out there and do it myself. But it's a great way to get jazzed up and, you know, learn some stuff beforehand. So anyways, yeah, it'll be sometime in the summer. It'll get y'all jacked up. Oh, I'm darn. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I am, I'm still jacked up every time I, I pack my truck and head out for elk or mule deer or whatever, even though, I'll tell you what, even though Montana has not been kind to me. Every time I go to another state, I fill my tag. But Montana specifically, hmm. it's, it's becoming a, it's becoming, it's not a curse yet. Need a few more years, but it's, it's, it's getting there. Don't uh, let that thought enter your mind. I'm man. not, I'm not. I did like Steve's line from his, from the trailer for season nine, which is out now on Netflix, Media TV, where he said, "You have to act like an optimist, even if, right, like me right now, you're thinking like a pessimist. You're like, mm, maybe this is not my year, but it can be if you just yeah. keep going." Yeah, I'm glad I've at least turned him so much to the point that part of optimism enters his brain. <laughs> it took you years and years to go. And we're going to do a podcast uh, coming up later this week, in fact, and so it, it likely will be the next one you listen to about wounding animals. Mm-hmm. I believe you're going to take part in that, Giannis. Yeah. Um, hopefully we'll have some other folks from, from the meat eater crew, Cal, Sam Lunger and other folks. You, you, you saw it on the Colorado episode of Media TV. If you've watched on Netflix, you see, I mean, it happens. Wounding animals, it happens to all of us, I think. Uh, I haven't I haven't met anyone that's a hardcore archery hunter and spends a lot of time doing it that hasn't had this happen. Any kind of hunter. Any kind of hunter. Any Even kind of with hunter. rifles, man. They get so, away sometimes. So I know there's plenty of people that are veteran hunters that listen to this, but there's a lot of people that are brand new or, or getting into it or have been into it a couple of years. And we have dearest Phil over here who soon will be Thank uh, you. have a hunter safety card laminated in his wallet at all times. And uh, we want to make sure that we talk about it as folks that have Next been Next year he'll join in on the wound loss conversation. Yeah, he'll come in and be like, it's awful. And what did you make me do? But – um, it's an important conversation. I think we, I think our, maybe our reputation is that we have it a little bit more than other folks, but that's not even the point. The point is we just want to look at the data. We're going to bring some data along. We've already been talking to some state game agencies and kind of sussing out how they look at wound loss and when they, when they uh, do tag allocations and things of that nature. So that will be uh, next week or coming up here in the month of October as we sadly say goodbye to sweet September. All the failures. All right, we got uh, some people coming up. Our last guest, Phil, is a surprise for you, specifically. I have a guess <laughs> about who it could be. You do? I do. <laughs> All right, don't guess yet. Don't ruin it. 
O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. You ever get that feeling you're stuck inside staring at screens and a primal urge kicks in? You crave wide open spaces, fresh air, the chance to connect with the land? Well, maybe it's time to find your own piece of the wild. But searching for property can be a maze. That's where Land.com comes in. They got millions of listings across the country, from mountain ranches to hidden fishing holes. Their search tools are like a seasoned guide helping you narrow down what you want. Land.com isn't just about buying and selling. It's about finding a place to hunt, fish, explore, or simply sit by a campfire and listen to the crickets. So head over to Land.com today to turn one day into today because trust me there's nothing quite like the feeling of standing on your own piece of earth there's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the sunshine state or any other destination on your fishing bucket list book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids with over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. All right, our first guest on Ask the Eagle. What are we call? Are we saying episode two, Yanni? Part two? What are we saying? It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter to me. Okay. Uh, Justin Carson out of Texas. Justin, say what's up. Howdy. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Uh, we're going to go ahead and let you rip your question. We're going to have, we're going to try to keep this to 15 to 20 minutes. Um, so rip away. Let Yanni know what you would like to ask the Eagle. Okay. Uh, Yanni, as someone who is, uh, I've grown up whitetail hunting and duck hunting locally but kind of making a transition hopefully into going out West doing more backcountry hunting. I'm just kind of curious, um, like gear storage solutions, travel, as far as what kind of, uh, you know, rigs you guys run with trucks, tents, are you doing it all? Um, you know, backpacking in, do you haul a camper back there? Just kind of those solutions, you know, for me, we're going to Colorado on an elk hunt this fall. It's a 13 hour drive. So, uh, you know, we can't just run back to the house if we forget something, so just kind of curious if you guys use lifts, what kind of storage solutions y'all use in your vehicles, your backpacks. Um, I know that's a pretty open-ended question, but we'd just love to see. I'm sure, you know, you and Ben and 
the rest of the guys all have different ideas on what works and what doesn't. And uh, just kind of curious what you guys use for all that. Cool. Yeah, that's a great question. It, um, <clears throat> we could definitely write at least two chapters of a book to answer oh, yeah. it. Um, so <laughs> let's maybe use your uh, upcoming hunt as the example, and we can sort of give you some tips and tricks for that one in particular. Are you? I'm, I'm guessing you're going out for a uh, rifle season? We are. We are. We're going up to Colorado. Um, I actually didn't draw a tag this year, but my buddy did off of their property up there. Um, and so I'm just going to kind of tag along and I've never been on an elk hunt before. So it'd be a good way to learn the ropes and, and help them out. Is it, do you know what season you're going? Yeah, it's the late rifle season. It's the last week of October. Last week of October. So is that, se- <clears throat> is that second or third this year? I right. believe it's third. Third. Huh, and that and that's not an over the counter unit. You just can't buy a tag, huh? Nope. Uh, you know, they did a second draw this year and there's still none, you know, after all that shook out, there's nothing over the counter available. I which, see. You know, it's a bummer, but I'm I'm kind of okay with it. I'll get a chance to go up there and learn what the heck's going on before I spend the money on the tag. Right. And now you're hunting uh private? Uh well they they have uh some land up there, but you know, we spend we spent time up there. They have elk that pass through, but not so much hang out. So I think we'll be venturing out into public land. Got it. But you're going to use this property as like a base camp? Well, that's kind of what we're curious. They do have a small cabin on it, so that'll be like home base, but we think we're going to have to reach out pretty far. Um, so I'm sure we'll be, we'll either be hiking out from there or we might drive, uh, you know, pick up out to a different location and kind of set up like a, a tent camp a little bit further down the way. Got it. Um, well, yeah. Uh, let's see. Let's start with the, with the, the rigs. Uh, when you say rigs, I'm guessing you're talking about like a truck, right? Yeah. Oh, tell your story about your truck, Yanni. Yeah. Tell Justin all about your truck. <laughs> no, I'm not going to tell him about my, he's going to buy a Daryl Waltrip edition Toyota Tacoma. It's got a red racing stripe down the side. Yeah, it's beautiful. Who, who knew that he made a, uh, <laughs> That Toyota did a uh, Daryl Waltrip edition. Totally nonsensical. Doesn't make any sense that Daryl Waltrip <laughs> Toyota Tacoma, but I digress. Continue. Um, I don't do anything too special as far as my uh, truck goes. Uh, I've just got a camper, and I've got a uh, I think like I think it's an inch and an eighth piece of plywood that's that's covered in um, just like that uh, you know green fake carpet stuff. And uh, I've got a contractor's window, so I can actually slide it in through there, and it's like three quarters of the length of my bed, and it just sits right on top of my, uh, you know, truck bed rails. And if I want, I can take little C clamps and hold it down, but it's so heavy that it, and that it works there. And so it actually um, is basically just a divider in a way, just to kind of keep it organized. So I kind of keep the clean, dry stuff up top, and then underneath it, it's got just enough height to slide in coolers, um, you know, and any of you know, wetter, nastier gear. I've got just, I've got the shallow topper. It's not the, the one that pops up over your cab, you know? And so for me, yeah, you're, I don't think they're old enough for that yet. Old enough for that. Steve oh, has well, one. No, Steve I'm, has no, one. I'm telling you, my next truck is definitely going to have it. Um, cause when I, cr- <laughs> when I crawl in there and I'm on my side, my shoulder is just about to touch the top of the camper, you know, if I want to sleep in there. So it's a little yeah. bit tight. So usually if I'm going to sleep next to the truck, I'm going to pull out the, um, you know, the, just the cot and the sleeping bag. And then if it's really cold, I might get into a tent or something. So, 
Yeah, as far as that goes, I don't know. You know, get some. I have, I like to keep my stuff organized, so I'll probably have some Rubbermaid storage containers. You know, with different kits in there. One for cooking, and you know, one with food in it and whatnot. Um, but yeah, you guys definitely should going to need to make a plan on whether you're, you know, if you're just hunting out of the truck, where you're staying, if you're going to go backpacking. Um, that hunt is getting a little bit later into the season. So you could have some major weather, major snow, major cold temps, but man, October in Colorado also has like the knack of sometimes being very warm and like so warm that like it's not good for elk hunting. Yeah, I've had a few of those. Yeah. Two of them, in fact, where we hunted water holes around this same time. Um, shot a bear. I had a buddy shot a, shoot a bear, black bear over a water hole at like late October, Colorado rifle season. Yeah, that's the only thing we could do to hunt. It was 60, 70 degrees in the in the daytime. Yeah, and all the critters got their winter coats on already. Yep. So they're all hanging on the north facing slopes. They're not coming out to feed, you know, except for very early and late in the day. Um, but anyways, I would be prepared for both extremes. Like yeah. be prepared to be hiking around in a t-shirt midday, but also be prepared, you know, with some gators. Bundle up. You know, yeah, that's some... we, we were there. We were actually up there on a we do an annual four wheeling trip in that area back in September. And on uh, you know, the Sunday we were there, it was 91 degrees, and then Tuesday we got 12 inches of snow. Uh, so it's definitely <laughs> yeah. it's, it's an interesting little region. Welcome to the West, yeah. I mean, I will tell you, um, what, I, what I've done, I've been doing this a lot this year truck camping and backcountry tent camping and different things. I try to make sure. I have like a staging idea when I go on a hunt. Our our recent Missouri breaks hunt was like this where I'm going to have – I start off with I have a Yeti go – the Yeti go box. I have like a Yeti go box with – if I'm going to truck camp with all my gear in it, anything like flashlights, paracord, anything, extra knives, any kind of gear-related stuff that's not in my pack is in one go box. I have another go box with all my cook stuff, anything, you know, plates, forks, anything that you would – need to cook from there um so that's that's two you know two important things for me i'll have uh, a bin with all of my sleeping stuff that includes i I usually bring like two sleeping bags two tents you know because you never know what you're going to be dealing with and then another bin i put all my snacks and snack items stuff like that Uh, a lantern and a plastic table and a big giant yeti cooler yeti 210 to put my food in and if i kill an elk that's where the the uh, elk will go and so that's what the back of my truck looks like but then i also try to understand like staging if i'm camping with my truck i don't have i don't sleep in the back of my truck i don't i don't have a capper on or top on it or anything and so i'll have i have the nemo endurance the two-person expedition tent mm-hmm. that i it's super easy to set up you just takes you about 10 15 minutes I usually just pull my truck up, pop that up, put my plastic table out, and then right next to that, I'll put that tent. And then I always have um, an ultralight tent in my pack or or stash somewhere in case I'm thinking, man, I'm going to probably spike out tonight. Um, I have the Sky Air ULT, the ultralight uh, stone glacier tent, which it just takes a couple of trekking poles, a couple of uh, stakes to put up. And so... That's how I do it. I try to make sure I, if I'm going to camp by the truck, I know I got everything there. But if I'm going to break out and go spike camp, I've got not only, you know, a lighter sleeping bag, a lighter tent. I've also have, you know, I know this is maybe a little bit first world to have two of everything, but <laughs> that's what I try to do. 
And then from there, I try to make sure that I've got, I'm, I'm always going to have something to boil water with, something to cook with. I know you guys are using, what's the, the stove you guys have been using? The little. Oh, you know, the MSR reactor. The reactor. Yeah, I can't believe it took me so long to make the switch, man, from Jetboil. Because Jetboil is like the ubiquitous, I feel. I don't know, if, if Justin, if you have a Jetboil or have some something to cook up MREs and boil water. Yeah, I've got an MSR, just a little pocket rocket. No, there you go. <clears throat> yeah, that's a good stove, Those too. things take a beating, yeah. Those things are good. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know what Jetboil did, man. It must have been good marketing. Um, that they got out in front of that uh, reactor. But that reactor, you can't even walk away from it, and it's got water boiling. Yeah. I'm sold. <laughs> uh, yeah, so there's a good tip for you um, if, you're, if your uh, pocket rocket breaks down. I'm trying to think of one other tip I could give for you. I guess, man, if you're going to go out for a little tour, just bring enough so that you can stay the night, you know? Maybe bring, like, an ultralight tent, like Ben was saying, or maybe even just a tarp to get underneath and a sleeping bag. You know, with just those things and like a little bit of extra food, you can always at least just do a quick bivy. And that way you don't have to, you spend, you know, I realize it more and more every year. It's like, as soon as you're in there more than a couple miles, you know, if it's anything more than an hour walk each direction, you're so much better off, man. Just plopping down, resting, eating, and being right where the critters are in the morning. Um, Yeah. You know, as opposed to having to walk all the way back out because it never fails. You get back, then you have a couple beers, and then that motivation to get up as early as you need to get up to get back out there and be there on time starts to wane, and it's uh, it's just so much easier and slicker to stay the night out there. You know? Yeah, yeah. That's why you know you got to go into it at the very least. You got to go into it with this idea that you got your it's this utilitarian idea like, oh, I can go back to the truck. I got a cooler full of beer. Some chairs and a campfire, that's great. But if the hunting tells me I need to spike out, biv out, Mm -hmm. I'm going to do it. Yeah, and you might hit one, you know, late and not find it. And, you know, another good reason to stay out. Or you find him and, you know, you don't want to, no reason to go pack it out in the middle of the night, especially that late in the year. Just, Mm -hmm. you know, sleep next to the carcass and pack it out in the morning, you know, when you're fresh and you can see where you're going. Don't twist an ankle. Yeah. Um, yeah, that makes sense. And I would tell you, man, from living in Texas the time that I did and being, you know, spend some time around the BHA chapter that's based there in Texas, there are a lot of people doing what you're doing, uh, going from Texas to Colorado or Texas to Idaho or Montana or wherever. Um, so there's a community of people down there. Certainly, if if you're not already connected with the BHA chapter down there, I know for sure there's guys in that chapter, whether it's the Dallas, you know, I know that's kind of closer to where you are, Justin, um, or where I was in Austin. It's a pretty common thing because obviously there's not a lot of public land elk hunts happening in old Texas, Mm-mm. Tejas. So it's, yeah. it's, it's quicker to run and do what you're doing and run to Colorado. So the resources certainly are there with BHA specifically for this. Justin, do you have any specific questions that we we didn't hit on or anything specific we can touch on before you go? Uh, no, I mean, that pretty much covers it. Like I said, uh, I've talked to Ben, you guys, you know, you do an excellent job and, you know, any other resource you look at, you know, shows you how to, how to find elk or hopefully find them and, and put them down. I've just always been more curious on y'all's end. Uh, you know, like Yanni, you touched on, you know, using a camper shell on your pickup truck and those kind of details, uh, you know, you just don't really see. You can talk to anybody about elk hunting, they'll tell you all about the chase, but not so much how they got there and how they stayed there and what made it an effective hunt. Um, 
that's what you know that's kind of why i wrote into ben was just curious about those types of things you see you get on instagram there's a million different storage ideas with deck solutions or truck vaults and tents for the camper shells and all that kind of stuff so i was just kind of curious to get y'all's opinions and what, what what makes a successful hunt for you guys yeah well, let me tell you what my dream i'll tell you what my dream is what i don't what i don't currently have but i really want to do is i want a deck system in my truck and I want a go fast camper top topper. You know about that, Yanni? I've heard of them. GFC. I haven't looked into them. So yeah, go fast camper. You can look it up. It's it's a topper, but it also has a, a built an integral a built in tent. It's like a forty five degree angle pop up tent. Mm-hmm. It has Tempur Pedic panels. I rented a truck that had this one time. Like Tempur Pedic panels, you pop the panels out. You can stand up basically in the back of your truck. So if you were had a deck system for all your gear and then you had this camper top, you literally would be you'd have a mobile, you know, in terms of drive your truck, park it, pop the camper up and you're sleeping. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my that's that's where I'm headed. Because I think that that's the only reason <laughs> I, I'm not too sold on the tents in the truck though, is that I feel like oftentimes I'm using the truck to hunt in the morning. Right? Like if you know for a fact every single time you go out and you're just mm-hmm. like, Well, I'm just gonna get up and then walk away from the truck and go on my hunt. Great. But it just doesn't, it just seems like after two days of hunting, you're like, well, but we hunted around here. Now we have to walk yeah. two miles from here to, to get into the critters. That's where I think the the camper, I don't know, it's always a trade-up, right? Because campers, you can't pull into quite the gnarliest places that you can just drive your truck into. But like a small size camper that you yeah. could just unhitch and leave and make a camp and then use your, keep using your rig to drive around and do some hunting. You know? Yeah. I've thought about this a lot. This might help you, Justin, certainly making those types of decisions, like dragging a trailer to where we were in the Missouri breaks. I could get my truck around with almost no problem, but I couldn't drag in a trailer. Clay Newcomb tried to drag his mules in a trailer and got about a third of the way down the road where we ended up camping. Um, but the GFC literally to, to take down the tent, you just grab the top bar and pull it down and snap it in place and you're done. You're done. You're done. And it's quick. The only the only thing that I would say that is negative from the couple of days I got to use it is that it's like a bit of a windsock. Like if you're up on a ridge and it's windy, you're sitting up on top of your truck mm. and you know, that wind More is exposure. Is, yeah. So you just have to find a place where that exposure's not you know, get your wind direction right and, and kind of park down and get a, a ridge to block the tent or something like that. Because yeah. if you park up on a you know spine of a ridge or something and try to camp, you're gonna be sleeping in a windsock. Where, yeah. whereas a tent on the ground, not so much. You could maybe even pull your truck. Sometimes I do to drive to block my tent uh, where the wind's coming from to block the fire in the tent to keep the wind from blowing things about. So, a lot of things to think of, man. And I know you know like Renella has a camper now, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, like guys like Callahan, he just he could sleep anywhere. He sleeps, he sleeps in the back of his truck. No, all that stuff is fine and dandy until it actually gets cold and shitty and wet out. And then that's when campers and yeah. tents with stoves <laughs> and stuff. You got it. Like, if you're not going to get dry and comfy, again, man, that motivation is going to wane real quick. So, you know, maybe look at the 10 day forecast, you know. And do you have a trailer to drag with you if you need, if you want to? Justin? Uh, yeah, we've got access to one. Yeah. Um, our plan was to kind of take, we've got like a little 12-foot utility trailer. We're just going to, you know, throw coolers and everything we need on there. And, you know, we can, I, I think most of the area that we're in, we can get close and we can find a, a, 
somewhere to camp that we can get that trailer into and kind of branch off from there. There you go. There you go. There, yeah, if you know that, you know, we were talking about this last week, transient transient hunting. You kind of have to got to know the score before you go, for sure. And and I'll tell you, from working at Yeti, most of the questions that I got in terms of coolers is what size cooler fits an elk? It was probably the number one <laughs> question I got. I said, well, it depends on what how the elk is uh, situated once you've cut it up. But the Yeti 210 is the cooler that I use. I would recommend it to everyone. It It is as important as anything. I mean, I we've seen That's guys... That's deboned. Deboned. Well, no, a, a 210 you could probably... I've gotten deboned front shoulders and two on the bone hams with all the rest of the meat in a 210 before. I've never tried all four quarters, but I'm pretty sure you can make it happen. Depending on how much ice you had, uh, how big an elk it was. But I'm I'm almost sure you can make it happen with a 210. But you couldn't do it with any other size cooler that they have. Um, and and you know, where I'm from, in Maryland and Pennsylvania, these guys will hook up a generator and a chest freezer and drag it out on a trailer oh yeah pretty commonly no that's a that's a real slick way to do it man so you can certainly do that but if you want to just have a more utilitarian cooler setup i think a yeti 210 while expensive will do the job twice over so i hope that helps justin yeah yeah it does like i said there's you know this quick discussion there's obviously a million different ways to do it but just kind of curious what works for you guys and like ben said you know what you would like to do someday and and for us, it's we're 13 hours from home, so we can't just run to the garage and grab something if we need it. We got to haul it all. So we're just curious, different ways to do it, different storage solutions, and those are definitely some good ideas to run with. Beautiful, man. Well, once you get it dialed in, it feels good. You kind of know, you know, what you have to do and what what you need to bring and don't need to bring. It takes a couple of times to dial that in, but once you get there, it feels good. So thanks for calling in to ask the Eagle, man. Um, good luck, and let us know how she goes. Will do. Thank you, guys. Y'all have a great week. All right, yep. Justin. See you, bud. Good luck. Thanks. Bye. Hello, this is Trent. Trent. Ben O'Brien, Yanni Patelis, and Phil T. Engineer. What's up, hey. Trent? What's going on? Say hey, Phil. Hey, Trent. How are you? Uh, good. How are you guys doing? Doing good. 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 We catch you at a good time? Uh, yeah. Great, man. Um, we have We have the eagle here. Giannis Patelis, he's ready and waiting to answer any query you might have. So, fire away. <laughs> hey, good morning. Morning, Trent. What's on your mind? So, I had a pretty gnarly knee injury this summer, and I have a few plans for hunting this fall, but looks like I'm not going to be able to make it out. I was wondering what's your recommendation for uh, still getting out and enjoying fall, but also knowing that I'm not really walking on unpaved surfaces and getting back deep so you got some tags in your pocket but you you're uh you're you're limited you're to how much you how far you can go from the truck is that what you're saying yeah i got a buck tag i got a doe tag and a swan tag burning a hole in my pocket but i'm not walking too far i see how far can you are you gonna be able to walk by the time it's hunting season (laughs) i don't know couple hundred yards maybe a couple hundred yards because you can't you can only walk on paved surfaces supposed to <laughs> i can do whatever i want but yeah. i'm supposed to be so so going up paved. and down hills is not recommended no yeah well your swan tag that shouldn't be too hard right you just got to get a blind that's close enough to where someone can get the truck close to your blind and walk over there so we won't even address that i'm hoping you got that one figured out as far as your yeah. uh, 
<clears throat> your deer tags go, though, I think you need to figure out, you need to do some truck scouting, obviously. And I think this is going to be a good way for you to really get better reading sign because we all know that animals walk on roads, they cross roads. And I'm t- when I say roads, I'm talking like four service, you know, not quite two tracks, but you know, what I'm talking about a, uh, yeah, just a gravel four service road. And, you know, find those crossings, man, look for them. And then, you know, look, you know, look at your on X, look at the terrain features around, see what that crossing is going to and from, you know, is there a, you know, bedding area nearby or some water below the road, maybe a saddle that is going from, you know, from that crossing over to a saddle, who knows what it might be, but I think just, you know, do you learn your zone as best as you can by just peeking out your truck uh, window and looking down at the, at the dirt road, you know, there's, there's sign all over it. Um, oh, yeah. And then, uh, you know, try to find those kind of pinch points and, and funnels and places where animals travel. that are just close to those roads. Like I said before, a saddle, man, like critters love using saddles and there are definitely roads that go through saddles, under saddles, near saddles, um, that you could probably, you know, can, can you explain a saddle? Like give people the general. Yeah, sure. Saddle comes from, you know, like the saddle on a, uh, on a horse, but, uh, basically a low point on a ridge that on either side is going to have higher points. So the animals are simply taking the path of least resistance when they're needing to cross a ridge. I mean, sometimes you're talking about crossing a whole mountain range and you're going to like look for a major saddle, which at that point is called a pass through the mountains, right? But smaller versions of that and the environment always are, you know, good ways, good places to catch critters. seems like anytime I'm hunting new country, I roll through a saddle. I'm like, man, this looks like a good place to hunt. Like one out of two times you look up in a tree and someone has a tree stand set up in that saddle, right? Or you see some remnant of some, somebody had hunted there in the past. Well, it's because it's, they're always good spots. Um, but yes, you could, you know, look for that, you know, funnels, whether it's, you know, a big piece of timber that necks down into some smaller timber, um, water near your roads, you know, would be a good place to just, cause you're going to have to take more of a, a stand hunter approach. I think this fall, right? You're not going to walk far. You're going to go and sit and you need to be sitting where the critters are going to walk through. The other thing I was yeah. thinking too, that you can employ is, um, I don't know what kind of friends and family you have that might help you out for this rough hunting season you got coming up, but, uh, have them orchestrate some drives yeah right like same thing man you're sitting up in that saddle that you know you know critters are using and uh you know figure out where the nearest bedding area is to that saddle and see if you can't get some you know friends and family to walk through there for you and get some animals on on their feet and move through there and uh you know that might work out for you yeah i like that idea a lot actually i'll tell you what if if there's been uh many many people uh, do what we call road hunt <laughs> and uh, be very, very successful. <laughs> Yours truly included in that, um, especially when it comes to antelope yeah. in Wyoming and things of that nature. I think you just kind of adopt some of those strategies, which is be in the truck and be moving and be glassing, and, and eventually you'll find a deer somewhere near a spot you can get to. 
Um, and as Yanni said, you pattern it from there and then get yourself, you know. You know, I've, I've been really impressed recently with this uh, First Light Nemo. I don't know the real name of it, but I call it the swingy chair. Mm-hmm. You ever sat in one of those, Yanni? Yeah, I think it's like a, isn't it like a stargazer? Stargazer. Yeah. I call it, my son and I call it the swingy chair because you can sit in this thing. I don't know if it specifically would work for your injury, Trent, but it works for me. It's like it, it just makes me feel enveloped in a beautiful, very comfortable material. And uh, is that what it's called, Yanni? Are you looking it up? Uh, st- I didn't. Yeah. The first light. I, I think you're right. I think it's called the Stargazer, but uh, it, it would be. wonderful. Yeah, it would be wonderful for you. It's wonderful for me. You may <laughs> put it by the road and just sit in it. And uh, get yourself some coffee or whatever beverage you like, and just and just enjoy the day. Maybe a deer will walk by. Ben, he's trying to yeah. kill something, man. Not, uh, not <laughs> maybe get that's a, why. Not get a suntan. Yeah, maybe that's why all my tags are yet. Yeah, yet it's unfilled. the Stargaze Recliner Luxury Chair. See, luxury chair, and you know you've been through a lot, Trent. You need a little luxury in your life. Uh, this isn't the you know some products I just fall in love with. So you know how I feel about White Claw things of that nature. So I'm 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 currently on. <laughs> Yeah. Currently on the Schnee's Beartooth boots and the First Light swingy luxury chair. Neiman. Yeah, and don't go into it with a positive uh, mindset too, man. And don't think that all the animals are you know two miles back. Everybody else is hiking back there. There's a lot of critters right off the side of the road that watch hunters drive by all the time, and you're just gonna have to, you know, take that mindset and, and be knowing that they're there looking for them and, and hunting them and just being a little bit slicker than the average average guy that's driving down the road. There I think go. I think you'll be able to be successful, ma'am. Anything else for us, Trent? Anything else we can help you with? Phil's here. He's standing by. He knows how to play video games. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, he might have a secret code for you that unlocks some level. <laughs> Are you playing video no, games while you're, while you're out recuperating, Trent? No, they're not for me. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, I've got nothing to offer you then. <laughs> I've been tying, uh, tying, spending a lot of time at the fly vice, filling up my fly box. Hey, there, there you go. go. Getting ready for some, for some late winter, early spring dry fly action. Right on. Good um, deal. Phil might not know, but f- flies are like these little things that you tie up and use while you're fly fishing yeah. to catch trout. Oh, I was always wondering. It's yeah. meant to look like a. You'll get to that, and then uh, hunters, fisher safety when you take that. I appreciate That's it. The whole class. <laughs> thanks, you take. Hey, Trent. Thanks for calling in, man. We appreciate it. Thank you, Trent. All right, thanks, gentlemen. Have a good one. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today 
or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. You ever get that feeling you're stuck inside staring at screens and a primal urge kicks in? You crave wide open spaces, fresh air, the chance to connect with the land. Well, maybe it's time to find your own piece of the wild, but searching for property can be a maze. That's where land.com comes in. They got millions of listings across the country from mountain ranches to hidden fishing holes. Their search tools are like a seasoned guide helping you narrow down what you want. Land.com isn't just about buying and selling. It's about finding a place to hunt, fish, explore, or simply sit by a campfire and listen to the crickets. So head over to land.com today to turn one day into today because trust me there's nothing quite like the feeling of standing on your own piece of earth there's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the sunshine state or any other destination on your fishing bucket list book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids with over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. All right, Phil, the final, our final caller of today is a guest specifically for you that we're going to call. Um, somebody that's near, so near and dear to your heart that you have maligned their <laughs> get out of here featuring I'm on the so, show before. I'm so mad at you. <laughs> we're gonna call. You're, so, you're such a jackass. I'll call, we're gonna call uh, our good friend Eric Hall right now, and he has some questions for Yanni, but he might have something to say to you as well, Phil. That's uh, <laughs> it's hard to say. This is slander. He's a <laughs> He's a well-spoken individual, and he'll. So we're calling him up. Hello, Eric Hall. Eric, yeah. This is Ben O'Brien and Phil, the engineer, and Giannis, the Eagle Patellus. What's up, buddy? What's up, Eric? How's it going? It's going good. Yanni's trying to get to speak to Yanni. Yeah, you're getting you're getting to talk to Yanni, but first, but first, Phil has yet to complete his hunter safety, and I need you to. Yeah. Yanni and I have already kind of berated him a bit for that this morning, but we need you to get in there and rough him up a little bit, Eric. Man, I thought Cal had the perfect advice. Just finish your hunter's head. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Damn it. Damn it. I mean, Eric Hall is like, you know, the head of all THC listeners, like the captain of the THC listener. And he's it's telling true. you. I'd say do. he has more authority than 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 Yanni or Cal. Yeah, maybe even you. At maybe this point. even me. Yeah. I'll listen to Eric more than you. <laughs> well, it's good. That's why I'm having him on because we because <laughs> he needs to give you the business. Uh huh. Um, so any, anything I, I else? I agree with Phil though. I think I think you're building him up a little bit. <laughs> we are right. beating him up a little. He is. He was upset even at the idea that we were going to call you because he knew what I was going to do. I think. Uh, <laughs> So, w- without further ado, uh, I'd like to introduce you to the Eagle. Say hey to Eric Hall, Yanni. Hey, Eric. I hear you. How you doing, Yanni? Yeah, I hear you're a regular, man. I am a regular. Right on. Hey, I'm getting to feel a little bit like, uh, like Barry. 
I didn't get no dang hat. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, no. Eric, we oh. take you over Barry. We would take you <laughs> any, any day, day of the week. We love Barry, but Barry... <laughs> He's difficult, but we, I will, I, we, it's long due that we send you some sort of item here so for all the time you spend. My gosh. Yeah. He's got to yeah. have a THC hat. He's got to have a hat or something. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I mean, it's almost to the point where he needs his own custom merch. Yeah. <laughs> E-Hall. I'd, I'd buy, I'd buy an Eric Hall a hat. Yep. Yep. Yeti cooler. Feel smart. Feel yeah. smart. Thank yeah. you, Eric. It would just say, hey, Ben. <laughs> yeah, hey, hey, Ben. ben. <laughs> hey, Ben. Hey, Phil. It's, it's, uh, hey, Ben. Eric, call Eric, uh, Yep. Hey, Ben. There it is. Phil. Eric here. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Eric, Eric here. where are you from? Eric Hall here. I'm in North Carolina. I hear you. You come to North Carolina. So. Yeah, I've got my in-laws are down there in Moorhead. Okay, yeah, that's why I go to the beach, to Atlantic Beach. If I go to the beach, that's where I go. Yep. Fish is better. I've, I've been I've been there a few times. All right, Eric. I like your questions, man. I I would like you to start with your first question, your second question first. The second question that you wanted to ask first. Okay. I, I really like that one. Yeah, that was. What's a week consist of as far as working for you, Ben, uh, Yanni, and Phil? Yeah, I know Phil probably works more than y'all do. But. Well, it's, <laughs> <laughs> that's why I don't have time to do hunter safety. I'm too busy cleaning up these guys' messes. That's why I'm excited about this question because it's going to give Phil a chance to explain why he hasn't finished yet the hunter safety. <laughs> Phil, course. you you want to kick it off, Phil? Yeah, Phil, take it away. Buddy. Oh, sure. Okay. Well, I just like to point out when I got hired here, it's been about a year and a half. Yep. I was working on two podcasts. Mm-hmm. I am now working on five podcasts. Yeah. And I handle the recording of. Three or four of them. Yeah. That um, means you should be getting paid 2.5 times as much. Have you gotten a raise Listen, in that I, time? I didn't say it. Have you gotten a raise during that yeah, year and a half? It's funny you say that, but I, I have not. Wow. Wow. Hey, I'm voting for that raise. That's right. The listeners, the head of all TAC listeners, is it's like a union yeah, now. Just go ahead and write into uh... <laughs> <laughs> human resources. That's a meat eater.com. But in, in all honesty, like people think of the, me, the engineer, is just I just sit around behind this board and I, I, I hit a button. And then when the show's over, I hit another button and that's my job. But recording's actually only about 5% of my job. It's What? Yeah. I no, spend... tell me more. Okay. Uh, <laughs> after that, I put the files on a computer. I work on a program called Pro Tools. It's an, it's an audio oh. editing software. Wow. Where I use a series of plugins like equalization, mm. compression, Whoa. gating. Unbelievable. Uh, denoising. I, cl- I clean up the shows. I edit them down, make them a little bit tighter. Well, that sounds like the software does all the work. Yeah. Nope. These are like plugins. You didn't create the algorithms or like the code or anything, did you? Did Did Michael Jordan create the basketball? <laughs> <laughs> so you're the Michael Jordan. Eric, he's saying he's the Michael Jordan of podcast engineers. Yeah. Anyway. the Michael Jordan. That's right. I'm like, and I'm also a layer of quality control. I, You know, my my job has, has many layers. And uh, and then at, when, when I'm done with that and I spend time with my kids, I read them books. And then and then I want to watch it. I want to watch... <laughs> I want to watch. <laughs> he's a good father, is what he's saying, folks. He's a good dad. Uh, you know, I, I got to pick and choose what I do with my spare time. That's right, <laughs> Eric. You have any other further questions about the plugins that Phil uses for brutals? <laughs> Man, what does your typical uh, work week look like? Well, uh, Yanni, I start off. I have a hot tub at my house. I start. <laughs> I start off with eight hours of hot tubs. Hot tub time. No. <laughs> I wish I did. I, I got to get a hot tub. 
Spencer Newarth has a hot tub. He sits. That's what he does every morning. He gets in that sounds hot tub incredible. For like an, it does sound. <laughs> Got to loosen up that back. Got to get that. They Got to get limber. Uh-huh. Um, no, I you know I do a lot of things. I don't have as a set a schedule as as one filled T engineer because I don't have as many deadlines. But I do. I handle this podcast, of course, all the things uh, related to it. I don't have. I book all the guests and make sure all the things come out right. And, uh, of course, quality control. Not as much as Phil, but I like to listen to what we've said at least once before you guys hear it. Uh, so I got that. I got Remy Warren's podcast. Have you heard Cutting the Distance? Remy and I work together on that. So I make, yeah, sure, I do. I do. I make sure that that gets out the way it needs to and has all the copy and 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 has all the editorial control that we that our company needs to have for cutting the distance. So I spend a good bit of time each week working on that. Uh, I also do some writing for Cal's Week in Review. So some of the stuff you hear there is written by me. Some of the tail end, like quick hitter news pieces I write for Cal. Most recently, uh, I think the one that aired today, I can't remember. I'm not gonna, I don't want to, I won't spoil it for anybody. But if you, a lot of the writing on there, a good bit of the writing and the quick hitter news stuff, that's my contribution. I also am, I don't know what you'd call it for Back 40. Showrunner for Back 40? Director? Producer? Producer, probably. I don't know what the titles are. But uh, kind of lead the creative for Back 40, along with Mr. Mark Kenyon. So that's a lot of work this time of year. We're currently, we got six episodes. We filmed three. We're editing two of them and writing another three of them all at the same time. Man, not to get off on a uh, <clears throat> side note here too hard, but I got to interrupt. Yeah. He's got some nice bucks on that Dude, place Dude, it's coming year. along, baby. I'm excited, man. Are you going to get to hunt it this year? No, I didn't write myself into the episodes <laughs> this year. <laughs> no, no, I'm not going to be on any episodes. Yeah, no, there's a couple bucks that I'd be just super stoked to be. Oh, man. I mean, from last year where there was like one sick looking deer walking around, now there is you know, eight to 10, mm-hmm. you know, nice bucks there. So, yeah. Um, he's and gonna, even if it's half coincidence and then half, you know, from the work he's done, like great. I'm whatever. very, very happy I to mean, see that. It's clear that the, some of the work he's done is, is making a difference. Some of the bedding cover from the burn we did this spring, some of the stuff you'll see in the first couple of episodes of the show is, mm-hmm. is legitimately working. Um, because a lot of the places, a lot of where we're seeing these bucks are in some of the places we've done some work specifically to, to add some cover for him. And so it's working. So anyway, I, I work on that. We're also working currently on uh, a super top secret documentary possibly. So I'm doing some work on that, trying to get that lined up. Uh, that may or may not come out sometime in the future based on one of our podcast episodes. Uh, um, so that hopefully that's titillating. And uh, yeah, do some editing and writing for the website, all kinds of other stuff that comes up when it comes up. Um, all right, Yanni, get him, buddy. Uh, Eric, I do not have a typical work week ever. Um, it rarely seems like there's two of them in a row that are the same. But I can tell you that when I am here in town, and I could call it like my office hours time, um, I spend a lot of time on the, pushing the old emails and uh, you know going to meetings, talking to cre- about creative with people on different projects, whether it's Dasbo, um, Meat Eater, obviously, Meat Eater Hunts now, which I'm uh, hosting a few episodes of this fall. Um, 
a lot of work goes into that, uh, writing treatments for those to get everybody on board with, you know, what we expect to see out of each episode. And then when we're done writing producer notes and then giving those to, uh, editors and then working with the editors to then produce the final product, you know, of any kind of media you see, um, meteor podcast sometimes takes up almost no, no portion of my time because it's, it's easy podcast fodder that I already know it's in my head, but say we have a, uh, a lineup of some authors. There's a lot of reading to be done yeah, and the I'm reading not, the reading, man. Uh, so, so I feel weird sometimes doing it for work, but, uh, there's sometimes days when I'll spend just reading, you know, trying to get through a book so that I can sound like a, uh, a good interviewer and ask, I should actually, have, yeah. ask some good questions. I should have know? put that in my list of things that I do. Read books for the podcast. That is, it is surprising. Maybe not surprisingly. It takes a lot of time. No, it does for sure. But you got to do it because otherwise you're, just, you're, you're not doing anybody any justice. Um, but a lot of <clears throat> just coordinating and planning logistics goes into all this stuff, making this media, um, you know, just, finding places to hunt and making sure that you have location releases and film permits to go hunt those places. And I have a big team that I work with here at Media During Production that all help get all that stuff, you know, get all those boxes checked. Um, it's a lot, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm trying to think if I'm missing anything else. I just I just wrote some little paragraph to myself about what I was doing. I should have just pulled that up to answer, answer your answer your question. I'll tell you what I do uh, Friday about 3.30, maybe 4 o'clock usually. Mm-hmm. I'll crack open a White Claw. Mm. Uh, lately it's been watermelon. <laughs> <laughs> crack, oh, crack. Man. Yeah, man, just get a wa- I tried a White Claw. You made me try a White Claw. I mean, I said, I got to try one. Man, that thing sucks. <laughs> 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 what flavor? What flavor? I took the mango because everybody talks about the mango. <laughs> it's not uh, for everybody. Okay. It's not for everybody. I'm with you, Eric. I'm not going to give it the full-on <laughs> sucks, but it's... Uh, not for everybody. Yeah. It's, uh, right. Well, there, well, there it's, goes okay. our sponsorship. Yeah, now we thought we had a... We were, we were just getting ready to sign the contract for yeah, the sponsorship. Yeah, the papers just came in. Too bad. Yeah, I'll throw them out. They're going to hear this, and it's going to ruin uh, everything. Just so y'all like it, you know, you're getting people to try it anyway, but, you know, probably 90% of the people are going to like it. Uh, well, okay, I got a few to... things. I got a few things to throw in here. I had sent in suggestion for the meat eater. I love all the stuff y'all do. I mean, mm-hmm. I watch. Uh, I've got done with all the Netflix stuff, DOS boat. I mean, back forty. I watch it all. A lot of the podcasts. But uh, I suggested one time that the meat eater make a documentary on the history of hunting, and still waiting on that. And uh, <laughs> still waiting on that. Well, I, I, you know, now you've said it publicly, we kind of have to do it. Well, you know, about the market hunting, how it was, you know, and that may be some of the other one, but, but I could never get the uh, stars in the sky. I haven't never been able to see that yet. Oh, that's on Netflix. Like it's on Netflix now, Eric. So if you're watching the oh, okay, new Okay, cool. New, well, I didn't know that. Yeah, you learned yeah. something. That's going to help you out because that, that has a little bit. It has, you know, like a five or ten minute bit on some of the history of hunting in there. Yeah, check that out and then get back to us and see, you know, what else you'd like to hear about. Because yeah. history of hunting, that's a long, long history. We're gonna, we might have to narrow it down to a certain time period. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Two, two million years but, ago. Uh, Another suggestion I had that when you do the Meat Eater Live podcast, 
pick one guest, not that I'm ever going to be, um, but it'd be an honor for anybody to do it. Somebody, throw your name in the hat when you go in, if you want to do it. Pick one guest to come up on the stage and be part of the podcast. I think that would be so cool. Out of the audience. Pick an audience member to come out of the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, that'd, I mean, be, that'd know, be like a good way to throw a little wild card into it. <laughs> yeah. If they wanted to. I mean, sure. everybody may not want to do it. What if know? we just called you up every time? You just traveled around with us. Hey, I could do it. <laughs> I could do it. I could do it. All right. Well, listen, I like how you turn your questions into suggestions. I do admire. I like that. Because you finally, Yanni, do you feel like uh, you feel like we can do hey, I that? I can't let you down without some commentary. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to. We'll have to it. run it by the uh, by the chief. You know, the but, chief, Mister Rinella. But uh, I think I think it could be fun. I like this idea because I like you know we have Eric Hall on. It works out just fine. It's great. He's a great member of the of the crew. Phil hadn't said anything in five minutes. He's over there on his phone. We put our first clips from the podcast up on YouTube. Oh, hey, man. That's, is that Yanni? Yeah. No oh. kidding. We So, yeah, here you go. <laughs> Eric, if you want something else to watch, we just po- posted some podcast clips, the Mediator podcast clips on the YouTubes. Uh, okay, okay. Something else to check out. So, you, yeah, you can now, uh, see them right where I we're sitting. I burned out on uh, a lot of other sh- hunting shows. I yeah. mean, you don't say we're full of commercials and stuff. <laughs> the meat eater coming along, I thought it was the best hunting show has ever been on. Well, Eric, you know, Eric Hall's, Eric Hall's segment on the show is brought to you by WorkSharp, in fact. Uh, <laughs> WorkSharp. Go to WorkSharp That's YouTube right. and uh, check out how to sharpen. Uh-huh. Uh, also brought to you by uh, Element. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Eric. Those are, uh, uh, that's uh, very kind of you to give us such high praise. Yes, very good shows. Well, listen, we appreciate you, brother, and we will take those suggestions to heart, as always. And um, we'll probably talk to you next week unless Phil tells me we can't. See, but uh, here's the thing. Eric hasn't been on for a couple of a few weeks, a couple months now. And hasn't this been delightful? See, it, it, we bring him on. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like Eric's a nice guy. He's got stuff to contribute, and you don't want us to have him on every week. You oh, want to space it out or whatever. Ben, you're, like, you're a real <laughs> piece of garbage. <laughs> well, good to meet you, Eric. Man, I look forward to meeting you in person sometime. Yes, sir. What about the main question? Oh, we forgot the main, the main question. Well, you got you got all way off on suggestions. All right, fire, we'll let, fire we'll let away. You, you got we'll another you, one? Yeah, we'll let you have it. Go for it. It can be quick. It can be quick. Quick it up. Okay, the, the question was, if you could only have one gun, one caliber, one gauge, one action, one, one gun to shoot squirrels to moose, what would it be? Uh... If I choose like twelve gauge shotgun, can I have multiple barrels? Oh, uh, you're on my track. You're on the right track. Yep. I'm gonna tell you what mine is. <laughs> mine is <yeah. laughs> All right. It. Well, yeah. That that's that's my answer. Is I'm gonna go with with twelve gauge because I believe I could kill just about everything with a twelve gauge, especially if you allowed me to have a uh, a rifled barrel. Oh, yeah, slug you know, for barrel. for a slug. Is that what you were, Eric? Okay, I was taking a pump action 12 gauge shotgun, and this is the reason why. You can hunt squirrels, grouse, birds. I can kill a moose with a cut off shell. I guarantee it. Have you ever seen a cut shell? No, no. It's on YouTube. I, <laughs> those things are accurate, but you could kill a moose. I mean, I'm just saying this is all hypothetical. Sure. We got slugs. I mean, slugs are real accurate now. I'm just saying, if it come down to it, you could do a cut shell. You can kill a deer all day long, and then you got your birds and you. 
Yep. That's me. That's, I'm picking up what you're laying down. I like it. Gun. I like so it. I'm were... kind of curious what, what y'all would pick. And I, I kind of figured Yanni would do the 12 games. <laughs> I was going to say, you were talking about me having a show on a podcast. That's a horrible idea. Eric Hall should have a, a show. The Eric Hall show. Yeah, sure. It'd be called Eric Hall here. That's, yeah. that's all it would be. It'd be a call-in show. We're working our way there. We're working our way there. I was I was going to say the same thing. I was going to say one of those uh, double barrels that's a 22 and a uh, 410. 410. That's what I was thinking of. But then I wouldn't yeah, be able that's, to. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good. That's kind of an odd ball ball. But yeah, that's a. That's, that's a good gun. Uh, you can get that thing in the thirty thirty. Yeah, I probably yeah, wouldn't be killing any moose with that. So I think yeah. I feel like Eric, you're in Yanni's. I feel like that's the way to go. If you can get a rifle slug barrel, yeah, you're you're just yeah, you can take anything from moose to squirrels, and it's no problem. Uh, Very versatile. Good. I'm glad. I think you asked that question only because you knew, you had your own answer. Well, I wanted to throw my input in too. <laughs> I mean, I'm part of the show. That's right. <laughs> I love it. All right, Eric. Well, have a good week. We'll talk to you probably next week unless Phil nixes it. Uh, it's not true. Phil, <laughs> get that hunter's head done, Phil. I will, Eric. <laughs> wow. That's right, Phil. Get her done. <laughs> All right, Eric. We'll talk to you soon, man. Uh, we'll put a hat in the mail, too. All right. Make sure Yanni signs it and you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do that. All right, brother. Talk to you soon. Take care. Bye. Bye. That he's my favorite, Yanni. He is. Yeah. So you've got, but you have other regular callers, or no? We have some. You Nothing. Have some. Nobody is robust as Eric Hall. That's yeah. Right. No, that guy's a gem. Yeah. The other, the other, we have others that, uh, you know, the the folks that got engaged that called in and and different things. I always forget people's names and how to pronounce them. Um, we have Elias Torhiden as a regular emailer. I just like that because I like his name. No, I could tell, man. I'd like Many to, others. you know. Do some hunting, yeah. have a beer with the old Eric. Eric and, uh, yeah. Other regular listeners, I would shout out uh, Don Willimont. He's never been on, but he always emails in, and I do enjoy his emails, although I don't know how many we've read, but I do enjoy Don. I do yeah, enjoy he, your emails. Eric came prepared, which is which is very nice. Eric, Eric, he, he rocks it. I'll tell you what I'll do. <laughs> <laughs> That's before you even got the answer out. <laughs> oh, my Lord. All right, well, we're going to keep you guys updated on our uh, hunting. What's your What's the hunting from now yeah i know you have your the hunt with your dad what i have coming up yeah, what else um, you got? october yeah. october is about to begin yeah we're uh going antelope hunting uh in wyoming with a very special guest keep an eye on everybody's instagram here in the first week of october you guys will see what we're who we're hunting pronghorn with in wyoming it's gonna be super fun that's gonna be a meteor episode then i got a pronghorn hunt with my brother-in-law it's gonna be a meteor hunts episode nice which i have to hunt a unit that uh has a whole bunch of private land that's very difficult to get on, let alone get filming permission on. And uh, where is it? Oh God! So you tell weird. me later. You yeah. tell me later. I, I have some ideas. South Central Montana. Ooh. Oh, okay. Um, it's going to be difficult, difficult to say the least, because the national forest in this unit I was in it last weekend. It's not Bronghorn South Country. Central. You'll um, tell me where. I, th- I have some <clears throat> ideas about that. I will. But uh, yeah, and then I have my big, uh, big Montana bull elk hunt. Where oh I, yeah, your I, tag I, drew, I drew a special tag, and uh, I've got ten days set aside to go find me a big one. I gotta, uh, I gotta figure out points in Montana because I know you can buy them up to September thirtieth. Yeah, you better get after I it. I gotta get after it. I gotta get after it because I'm gonna need, <laughs> I'm gonna need these points. Well, F- Phil and I will offer our our backs and our legs to help you pack out if you kill one. 
Well, it's four hours away. That's right. You're more than welcome to come and help. Phil was telling me the other day, he's like, I would love to spend more time with you in a truck for four for an eight-hour round trip. I was like, oh. Hey, that, was, that was between us. No, sorry. <clears throat> sorry. But anyway, um, I'm just going to keep trying to fill tags. I got an antelope tag in Wyoming, and I got all the tags in Montana that just don't seem to want to want to go. Or I got an Idaho focus, deer tag. Focus on that focus, Montana focus. bull. Man, that's what you got to do. do. It, man. I'm going to do it. You, you got a lot of time you left. Look, you look out there on the Instagram and you see all the success. What this show is going to show you and what my Instagram is, is going to be the failures, okay? And but that's you the virtual. Just as important. Just you you got to remember, man, that all those successful pictures, that's, what is the, I don't know what the national elk Well, we've been throwing out this number is, of 10%. I bet it's 10 to 20. It's somewhere in there. I've yeah. heard lately in the last five years that biologists are saying that the success rate is going up because yeah. people are getting good and, and you know equipment's getting better. But either way, whether you, whether it's 80% or 90%, people are in the same boat as you are yep. and going home empty-handed, yep. tired and worn out. And that's, uh, that's one of the beauties of elk hunting. It is. I'm your I champion. Know. I'm your champion. <laughs> we're, and we're going to talk about here like in our, in our roundtable about wound loss and Wounding animals and archery and all the things that go into that. And we'll talk about all that. We'll kind of cover off on our own personal experiences, what it feels like when you're sitting up overnight thinking about, is this bull dead? Is this buck dead? Whether or not, you know, in, in, even in Phil's situation, when when you introduce somebody to hunting, is that the best way to do it? You know, or as we've probably talked about it in this show and, and other shows, is it better to take them out on a duck hunt or a squirrel hunt? or a rabbit hunt or something that has a, is a bit more interactive and has a, a success ratio that's, you know, that it's in, it's multitudes. So it could be, it could be that you miss the first rabbit, but another one runs by and you kill it. It's not one single tag, um, as it is with an elk or a deer or something like that. So we'll, we'll cover all of that. I think that's is certainly important to us, to me. Um, and it's, it's relevant now because people are going out there and, and trying their best to fill tags and, um, I you know how much I trust those numbers about success I don't know but I certainly know that there is a threshold where when you cross it you have though that set of skills to be successful at whatever the pursuit it is you you should be able to replicate that success you know but you have to get to that threshold and cross it that takes time dedication it takes a lot of stuff to get there a lot of time a lot of time and even at, even at, like you said even like you said that I think is probably a, a poignant moment there even when you cross that threshold and you get to the point where you think you're very capable in this pursuit something happens and knocks you back a few and mm -hmm. you feel like you have to to retread all the steps you've taken to get to that point so a lot to do but a lot to do thc at some point soon we'll have a very interesting conversation with paul Bashir, uh one of the top animal rights activists around and um someone who you're going to want to hear from and so we will it's, we will make a decision whether to to give you the what Phil would probably call the shitty audio or wait for the good audio. But at some point mm. in the next couple of weeks, you're going to get it one way or the other. You're also going to get our awesome roundtable on wounding, loss, the personal, and more data-driven uh, aspects of that. Fred Eichler coming up, talking about being a guide, talking about getting the slam with his, his stick bow, his traditional bow, all kinds of stuff coming up on THC in October. Stick with us. We'll see you next week. Say bye, Phil. See ya.
Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today. First Light has always made the world's best base layers. They're warm, breathable, silent, and odor-resistant. But the women's fit and the gear weren't meeting our demands, so we went back to the beginning and rebuilt everything. Re-engineering the gear with the most dedicated female hunters in mind, First Light modernized the fit and added more sizes, colors, and camo patterns. I personally have been testing the women's gear over the last couple of years, uh, from the mountains in Idaho to the plains in Nebraska, and I feel like the fit especially has landed in a much better spot. It's more true to size. It's not as tight and binding in certain areas like a lot of women's fit. Uh, all of the pieces, to me, got an all-around upgrade. It's awesome to see. So for yourself or as a gift this Mother's Day, pick up First Light's new women's merino wool and get free shipping on all orders containing women's gear. Available now at F-I-R-S-T-L-I-T-E dot com. <laughs> 